This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Scarlett Hildebeidel talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron, and with me as always are Scarlett and Dave. Guys, how you doing? I don't know. How are we doing, Scarlett? You know, I was just thinking I'm not prepared to answer. I don't really know what's happening or remember anything that's happened this week. It's all kind of a blur. It's it's that's still fair. it's still 2020. Uh, yeah, it's like March 278th, right? Yes. Yeah. So, but we're here. We've made it. I mean, that's, that's something right here. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've survived this long. Um, we are you know, allegedly in the in the season of uh, Christmas Yuletide cheer. Um, that is that is almost upon us. I've still got like three, four weeks to go uh, before that really hits my house. But uh, although Christmas is in three weeks, isn't it? I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, so it should probably be before, th- before, like less than three weeks before it hits my house. So, Aaron, does that probably. mean you're going to be grinchy for another three weeks, like until like Christmas Eve or something? What, well. What, what... Well, I mean, you know, I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to get a little little early festivity in our in our lives after after you know a real heart to heart with Ronnie last week and uh, mm-hmm. you know um, you know his you know and his concerns that I'm going to drop out of uh, Christmas University or Christmas Seminary, mm-hmm. um, you know. So I've been I've been doing a little bit of pre Christmas decorating uh, with some with some Christmas themed or holiday themed rather um, because you know, you can't say Christmas on products anymore. Uh, bobbleheads uh, that are superhero themed <laughs> as well. So I'm holding a flash holiday dash. Um, okay. Bobblehead okay, so right the, now. So is that what Wonderful. sparks? That's what sparks joy for you right now. Um, it, sparks something anyway so okay okay all right we're, we're amusement we... we'll call it at least amusement um okay. so but it goes along with my with my batman as ebenezer scrooge and my superman wearing an ugly christmas sweater so i like i like that I sounds very say. festive to me yeah okay yeah oh well, oh oh Oh, there you go. Oh, we have we Santa go. joining us today. That sounded like a very professional voice, like someone who must, like, for a living, say That's right, because we, yeah. we have a special guest today. So, Dave, how about you introduce who is yes, joining us today? Absolutely. Yes, Santa himself, uh, Mr. Ho Ho Ho, is uh, Henry O. Arnold, also known as Chip Arnold. Every time I say your name, Chip, I just smile when you say Henry O. Arnold. Um, but but there's no apostrophe. That's just the O is the uh, is your middle initial, and what and it what, stands for Ormond. Which was yes, which was my grandfather. He was Henry Ormond the first. My father was H O the second, and I'm number three. Okay, see, I love this. So you're, you're so H O the second, H O three. So when um, when did Chip come into this? Then the oh, family? early on, you know, a few days after my birth, uh, my grandmother, my m- maternal grandmother, said he's Chip off the old block and it's stuck. So uh, 
and they called dad, they didn't call him Henry, they called him Buddy. So, and he was, he got that name from a song back in the thirties called My Buddy that, uh, you know, so there we go. I love it. It's done. Um, I love it. Well, um, for our listeners, I'll give just a quick introduction on Henry O. Arnold slash Chip Arnold. I, I'm still going to, the third, the three. The third. Yeah. Um, but no, so uh, as, as some of you know, I, I'm a literary agent and one of my authors is, uh, is right here, Mr. Uh, Mr. Henry O. Arnold. Um, but uh, some may, you, you probably, Henry O. Arnold is one of those that you may have heard before. And we're, we're going to talk about two things that are, are really fun on this podcast. First, he is, uh, is a writer. He has written uh, uh, screenplays, books, which we're going to talk about. You're a stage actor, right, Chip? Um, you, um, which is not a very busy uh, profession at the moment. We've talked about that because of, of COVID, which is really frustrating. Um, but it comes across well because um, the way you communicate. And as I've told you, I said, it's just time to write. That's what God is saying. It just means it's time to get in front of the computer and write and hike as well, since you're a big right. hiker. Yeah. So no, but we, uh, we want to talk about your newest book, A Voice Within the Flame, which is about a genre that it's a genre that we haven't, we, we were talking about this before, we haven't really dug into other than in generalities, which would be, and, and this is a biblical historical fiction. And we've talked about, we like a lot of historical fiction, but not as many of us have read the subgenre of biblical historical fiction. So you're going to have to break that one down. So why don't you start, Chip? Give us an overview of the book. Just tell our listeners a little bit about what it is and what inspired it. I'm real curious about that. I know I've I know all these things, but I want you to share them. Right, right. Well, um, first of all, what it's about. It takes. Uh, I came up with the title of a song of prophets and kings to deal specifically with uh, the first three kings of Israel. Uh, from King Saul, David, and Solomon, and the matching of the major prophets that uh, were in business at that time, which would be the first one would be Samuel, and then uh, Gad and Nathan. And they play prominently, or not as prominent as, as Samuel, but they play important roles throughout these the these first three kings the reigns of the first three kings and uh you know <clears throat> uh, and as well as were writers of the stories of first and second samuel samuel wrote it's believed to be ruth and judges and then the first part of samuel and then of course he dies halfway through or, or a portion through uh the end of first samuel so someone else had to be uh, responsible for the writing of the literary stories at that time. And uh, so in my fictionalized version of that, um, <clears throat> I have uh, Gad and Nathan as students of Samuel who started a prophet's school. Those were um, part of the historical record of having prophet schools that were kind of sub-schools of the Levitical um, uh, um, you know, studies and Levitical schools. So, <clears throat> um, so that's how the the series, and it covers the birth, the first volume, which is a voice within the flame, covers the birth of Samuel uh, or or Samuel's uh, parents, 
and Hannah's struggle to, uh, you know, to her desire to have a child. And, um, and then the Samuel growing up years serving in the tabernacle under the tutelage of Eli, the high priest. And then eventually uh, after the sack of Shiloh by the Philistines and the capture of the ark, Samuel comes in and the death of Eli, Samuel comes into his own as, um, <clears throat> as the leader of Israel in a, a very interesting phrase that is used in, in Samuel's authority uh, or as a way to describe Samuel's authority is his words never fell to the ground. In other words, everything that he said came to pass and was spoken with the authority of, of uh, as if Yahweh was speaking. And so, <clears throat> um, and then uh, the, 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 um, the desire of some of the, or most of the, liter of the uh, leaders of the tribes wanting a king uh, because Samuel's sons were reprobates and they didn't want to be under their leadership. And so they rise up and insist on having a king. And as a result, you know, Saul is chosen. And, uh, and we go through <clears throat> that process to his coronation. And that's the end of volume one. Okay. And um, volume two will pick up after that. But volume one, A Voice Within the Flame, is the birth of Samuel to the coronation of the king, uh, first king, King Saul. Okay. Uh, so, Chip, tell me how you, well, first of all, I don't think I've really explored this to the bone, but like, how, what made you really want to dig in and write something like this? I mean, like, what, what, when did that begin? Actually, it's a, it's a, a long circuitous road, I guess. Uh, you could, I guess I could really start with saying I grew up in a, in a <clears throat> denomination that emphasized doctrine over story. And I think, you know, that was, it, it was important to get the doctrine right. Uh, but as far as, you know, stories were concerned, the big ones like, um, you know, David and Goliath or, you know, um, pick, you know, Samson and all these, as far as the Old Testament was concerned, you know, you just, they were figures on a flannel graph and all you kids, you don't know what a flannel graph is probably, but that's, you know, they put these little, stuck these little images, cartoon images of, of Samson or whomever on a flannel graph and said, and this is what Samson did. Um, <clears throat> so there was no real personal engagement in, in who these characters were or the stories that are, you know, that were emphasized. And so, you know, you, as a kid, you don't really question that. But then when I became a professional actor and, and started doing that and as a, as a writer, and my parents were both theater artists, um, they, you know, they got my imagination spurred by these stories mm -hmm. and telling these stories and and playing what if what if mm -hmm. this happened and what if that happened so i give credit really to my parents in mm -hmm. uh, in, in to begin with and mm -hmm. and their love of scripture their love of god and yeah. their own creative energies and imaginations yeah. then in in the late 
70s, Kay and I got married and, and uh, the theater that I was working for at the time, um, this, um, it, it folded. So unemployment gave me the opportunity to sit down and write, start writing my one man shows on biblical characters. Um, this in British actor, actor, Alec McGowan, um, he memorized the gospel of St. Mark and in the late seventies and performed it in London and New York. <laughs> and, um, and it had a, you know, it had a, a, a nice response to it. And I thought, well, what if I did something a little more, you know, just the King James version and a whole gospel? Um, what if I did kind of the gospel according to Chip and put together, <laughs> you know, stories that we're all familiar with of Jesus that are in all four gospels and put it in a, a narrative form so that we see character development, not just with Christ, but the secondary supporting characters as well. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And then I did one on the Apostle Paul and I did one on uh, King David and and began um, that process. Uh, I wrote some plays, uh, musicals with uh, Bob Farnsworth and his wife, Meryl. And we started mm -hmm. Nightingale Theater yeah. and we did uh, musical versions of um, contemporary versions of the life of Christ and then Noah and other subjects. Hmm. Um, and then I started the one man show started kind of taking off and I went on tour with, uh, Michael W in the mid nineties. I did a movie called Acts of the apostles where hmm. I played the apostle Paul for, and went to Africa for 10 weeks. Hmm. Um, um, and, and all these, and then, um, you know, just the whole scenario of biblical characters started becoming more and more vivid in my imagination and i i thought this it's just these great old testament stories of the kings and the prophets and the conflict between the monarchy and the theocracy of the time um would just be you know it's just great great fodder to imagine what that might have been yeah. playing pretend like my parents, you know, inspired <laughs> me to do play pretend with these characters. And at the same time, honor scripture, mm -hmm. honor the characters do not, you know, I'm not trying to give you doctrine and I'm not trying to rewrite, you know, history mm -hmm. or truth. I'm just saying these are flesh and blood human beings that have the same kind of, you know, desires and hurts mm -hmm. and emotions that we all have. Mm -hmm. And if we can relate to that, that those are entry points into the truth of what is being written in the scripture. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was an answer to oh. your question. That's what I got. That, no, that's great. How do you, so how do you kind of balance to be able to insert dialogue in which you may not know exactly what was said while right. staying true uh, to scripture? Like how, how does that work for this type of writing? Right. Well, I mean, it, I don't want to say it's tricky. Uh, it certainly um, requires imaginative thinking and, and, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to contemporize the language so much so that it's becomes slang or, or the contemporary vernacular. 
I wanted to have a depth uh, to it. And so, you know, I, I, I hope I've achieved that with the dialogue that it is believable and accessible to, um, to a contemporary ear, but yet it is, it has, uh, it, it is, pays homage to um, <clears throat> a depth of, of communication that I think is lacking in today's society with the limited vocabulary that we have. So um, I don't, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not trying to, you know, what I'm trying to say, I'm, I think it's important that we expand the number of words we use and not put them in characters of a hundred and whatever it is, a tweet. <laughs> or a lot of that. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, but I do think the dialogue, I, I, I do think I have a good ear for dialogue, partly because um, uh, of the theater background that I have mm -hmm. and doing plays for 50 years and then reading a lot. And mm -hmm. um, so there. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. So what is, uh, all right, so you've, what's the biggest, I mean, I know some obvious differences, but for you, what has been easier and what has been different about writing uh, for stage versus writing a novel like this? Right. Dialogue for stage is the driving force. Yeah. So, um, and it's all character driven. Um, uh, and so what characters say and do the action that they, that they um, take, the actions that they take, which by the way, Aristotle in, in his Arts Poetica says action is character. So, um, <clears throat> So the, the things that they, the, it's, it's dialogue driven in, 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 the, in the sense of the stage work, um, which I think, as I said, is, was gave, gave me a, a great education in coming up with dialogue for characters that I created. In, in fiction, um, in the form of a novel, you have the advantage of narration, uh, uh, the, the um, description, the um, the de developing character by going into their own psyches and and what they're thinking and feeling at any given moment in the story, so that they expand um, uh, expand their credibility to the to the story and to the reader. So I think that's for me that's um, um, you know one of the major differences or made yeah major differences in between stage work and and the literary read sure yeah scarlet and uh, aaron real quick have you guys read a lot of historical fiction a little bit not a ton yeah but okay. uh i enjoy it yeah yeah i've read a little bit not a ton as well but yeah. i i yeah i think yeah. i prefer historical fiction over what you like dave well the funny thing is um historical fiction is what got me into just more fiction in general. It was the gateway drug for me because I read all like, and, and Chip, I, I almost, I used to read just only history books. I was just my genre and I felt like anything else was a waste. And then I, I think I picked up Michael, one of Michael Shara's, you know, civil war books. And, um, and I just, and I thought it was fascinating reading dialogue from, generals in the civil war when we didn't know exactly what they said we knew they gave this particular order and that's documented but we didn't know exactly what would have been said 
but what was filled in, it was very clear to me And the Shara family is great at it. Of course, that's their, that certainly is their genre, but um, it was really clear what was, what was absolutely known fact of what happened versus an interpretation that didn't divert the story. It just enhanced it. It gave more emotion to it versus you can just look sometimes at the past and just see these bullet points happen. And so the, to me, it made me more interested in a lot of the history, you know, by reading those stories from that type of perspective. Um, and that's how I, I don't know. And so, and I, I, you know, I've read Ken Follett books, you know, he's called so the king of historical love, fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. yeah. Fabulous. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the Shara, he, uh, there's a handful of others just do, have done that really well. It's tough. I can imagine it's gotta be tough to do. I mean, I would be, in many ways, it's almost easier just writing a history book because there's information and you either find a way just to write it versus try and draft up new dialogue between people when you don't know exactly what they would have said and and to make it seem- If you know what they're, I, th I think if you know the uh, the character's intentions, I know as, a, as, a, uh, as an actor, um, if I know uh, why I'm saying something as a character, uh, and what my intentions are, what I want out of a scene or what I want out of the story that we're telling in the, in this play form, then it, 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 it informs me of the words, uh, a, a depth, a layer of meaning to the words that I say. So I just kind of take that into the characters that I've created. And I know what Samuel may want in a scene or Samuel's wife, or Samuel, or, uh, you know, King Saul, or, you know, Hannah, who, you know, we get enough information about who they are, or I, in the, in the scriptural story. And then it gives me the indication, oh, so this is what they want in this particular moment. So if this, if this is what they want, then this is what they'll say. Yeah. And this is what they'll do. Yeah. So we're all motivated by, you know, a thousand different things during the day of what we want. And, 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 um, you know, we, then it comes out in words mm -hmm. followed by the actions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Revealing character. You yeah. Know? Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and again, what you have written is is true, you know, biblical historical fiction. You know, it is it is a specific genre. It's bigger than you all may think. Whether you've read that, it's just uh, um, and fascinating. Uh, and when there were many more Christian bookstores out there, you would see walls and walls of this genre, uh, which was fascinating. Uh, so, um, are there any other writers that inspired you in terms of the genre, Chip? that you like? Well, Follett is yeah. a big one, you know, his mm -hmm. whole big trilogy um, uh, is, is huge. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think, you know. You know, I still haven't read Pillars of the Earth. I have a oh, copy, yeah, but yeah, I haven't. That That's like. One. Yeah, that was the first one of his I read. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, my dad turned me on to uh, King Arthur stuff. Um, um, the, oh, man. I, now the sword well shoot i forget it's, it's not the sword and the crown it's the sword and the stone or whatever those things the king arthur things because he did he did um he played um, don quixote and he played um um uh, camelot king richard um 
and so these these great uh, these great characters that he did on stage got me fascinated with uh, you know historical fiction. I love it. Mm-hmm. All right, I want to pivot over to uh, uh, something else that. Uh, then certainly Scarlett kind of jumped when I mentioned one of the things that you've done, which is you're, uh, you're, uh, you're the real deal audiobook uh, reader and uh, over, has it been over 40 books? Is that right? That you've read? For? Pushing 60 now. 60. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, listeners, just, you know, you, you probably heard Henry O. Arnold before, but if you've read boundaries or you've read, probably any John Maxwell book. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Maxwell readers right now. That's right. That's right. And then one of our other guests from many months ago, Drew Dick, he read, uh, yeah, uh, right. y- was it Yawning at Tigers, right? Yawning at Tigers, right. Yeah. I, that was one of my, you know, I, yeah. I really liked that book because of the, the way he emphasized um, our lack of sense of holiness of what, you know. Yeah of god that one of the characters of god yeah and and i really i really appreciated that yeah and then you also did uh, uh remarkable ordinary by B- oh, uh, frederick Be- beekner which is cool I've done a couple beekners uh, yeah. of course boundary books uh, yeah. one that i did last a year ago now it's called tap code which was about written uh, uh, about a prisoner of war during Vietnam, a pilot who was shot down, and he had created a, um, a, a tap code similar to Morse code, but because of the uh, other prisoner, the inability to communicate to other prisoners uh, in these camps, um, he created this signal to um, communicate, you know, with each other between yeah. prisoners, and uh, it's that story, and so that was. That was one of my favorites. And oh, then wow. Gabe Wicks, who, you know, he's, he's the, he's the yeah. king of audio at uh, Thomas Nelson. Uh, he got me to do um, a Christmas carol. Yes. And I got to read the entire Christmas carol, yes. uh, play all the characters, read the narration, all of that. So <laughs> that's one of my favorites, Christmas classics. Um, yeah. I think that came up just last year so yeah i love that uh, that's great how do you what, what's your process to uh uh in order to like read a good audiobook uh do you do you have to study the book first to kind of get a feel for what the voice is or do you always kind of do your thing in the way to approach it well it's there's always henry o um yeah. i can't um, i can't get away from that but <laughs> you know i try to honor uh i try to honor with clarity, um, <clears throat> what the author is, you know, attempting to say, mm-hmm. and um, uh, because most of these books that I've done are nonfiction, and um, and so they're trying to make specific points, and you want to say that clearly so that the listener in this in each case will say, ah, oh, yeah, I understand what he means by that and i can't help but you know put emotional value into all the stuff that i'm i'm reading or you know you could get you know the the robots to read it but um so there's there you know like the boundaries book you have a passion for what you're reading and i think it comes through um 
And so that's, and yeah, and I have dyslexia. So I do have to prepare. I do have to oh. read ahead. And I also have very much, uh, I have a dependent on the engineer and the uh, editors uh, where I do the recordings because, you know, when it's great that they can, you know, push the button and say, okay, you missed this word because I said compliment and I should have said complacent. And, uh, you know, my dyslexic brain didn't, didn't compute the right word, so. I have yeah. a question, Chip. Yes. Um, I'm wondering, so you're preparing to read an audiobook, and I'm wondering if you have read, now I'm wondering about Drew Dick, because I know he's really funny on Twitter, but I have not read his books yet. So I'm wondering if you ever get a book that's written in a humorous way, um, like, I don't know, are you given a heads up on that? Because I wrote a book and I was given the option to read the audiobook right. or get a professional like you. And I, my worry was I make jokes and I'm sarcastic in it. What if someone, if someone were to read this in a certain way, they'd think I was saying terrible things, but right. at least if I'm in control of it, I can convey the humor. So I'm wondering if you've read any books that had humor and how you prepared for that. Um, yeah, that's my question. Well, I always go, I'm a sucker for the humor. So if I can find something humorous about it, I will do it. I have yet to have someone come back and tell me or tell the people that have hired me, um, hey, pull back on that because we don't like it. Now, I've um, he's trying to be funny and he's he's not funny. So um, <clears throat> so I think because of my my actor experience, I can interpret something in a humorous way without hmm, unless the author is being blatantly sarcastic i won't add sarcasm i can i can do the humor without the sarcasm but if they if i interpret something as being sarcastic and humorous i'll go there every time <laughs> so yeah. um <clears throat> because it's i think because if, if you're chuckling as you're listening or reading along you're drawn into um, you're drawn into the, the truth of the story or the truth of what's being, uh, the points that are being made. If you're laughing on your way into it. So yeah, well, I'm I think definitely a believer in humor. Yeah, I think it's the, a, a, definitely a skill because I had had no experience when I did mine a couple years ago. And I just remember the first few pages we had to redo because breathing was like, I didn't know where to breathe. <laughs> I was like, I, and they're finally like, just, just do it as if you're talking. And so finally I got into a rhythm of like, oh, this is how I would talk. But right. you know, the, for the yeah. commas and the pot, you know, it's just strange anyway. <laughs> well, it is important to be clear and especially like a Beekner, a Beekner book, he'll write, you know, a page and it's one paragraph. So, you know, you're, you're, you're constantly saying, okay, I gotta know what this guy meant to say at the end of this paragraph that started, you know, at the top of the page. So you're putting, you know, you're putting a lot of, of, um, uh, of points together and pausing and breathing enough to, you know, to make, to make each phrase and compound sentence clear. And that's a challenge. Yeah. And so, you know, fortunately with a recording, you can stop and go back and redo. And um, <clears throat> whereas if you're on stage, you know, you, hey, <laughs> You plow on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, we all listen to a lot of audiobooks and uh and, and Scarlett, your favorite usually is comedy, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine somebody else reading that, but that author, if it happens to be a comedian's book, right. I mean, but right. um, but every now and then, like, I, I think, I mean, this kind of goes into the question, what are we reading? I'm almost done with uh, Ready Player Two, and uh, Will Wheaton has read both that first book and this one, and I now can't imagine anyone else reading it, but I think what he's done is he's, He's been a good voice for that character and the uh, the snarkiness of the character. It kind of comes through with him being that type of person anyways. And uh, um, anyone could have read that book. You know what I mean? It's just like he was and he happened to be a great fit. And so I guess I would say that accomplished the goal of what was there. But uh, I don't know. It's fascinating. But then, you know, I think I listened to Matthew McConaughey's a few weeks ago and <laughs> There definitely is no one else who could read that. No one else. Right. Well, I, I think something that's hard about humor is it's one thing to write humor and it's another thing to perform it. Like right. Chip, I'm sure that, see, I don't have what you have. I'm not a performer. I'm not an actor. So it was hard for me to have written something that I thought, oh, this is funny, but now I have to read it and make it funny. And that's a whole right. different skill set. So that's gotta be good that you have that background. Not, I don't know why I brought it to comedy. We're not talking about comedy books. <laughs> hey, there's humor in the Bible. There's a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> good, good, good sarcasm here and there. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So now that you've read pretty much most every uh, John Maxwell book, can you sum up John Maxwell's books all in one sentence? <laughs> oh, good night. Uh... <laughs> well, it's just... Um... I good well you wow you've put me on the spot here, <laughs> Dave. You um, don't have to answer that one. We can cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> leadership yeah, good. He does, no. he does he he does make good points about leadership, and and um and I think that that's you know uh, one of the things that that I can I can say honestly is that because he was first a pastor. Uh, and had a pastor's heart. He had a caring. Uh, he, he cared about people, and <clears throat> and so I, I think you know first and last he cares about people, and and um, whatever points he comes up with, um, I think are all bathed in that in that um, heart that he has for other people. So that's Love what it. I would you know. That, that's that's the big takeaway for me from reading i guess 19 maxwell books now wow <clears throat> all right chip what do you wish people knew about uh, that they don't know about but you wish they knew about audiobook readings what would they uh, not know what do they not know about audiobook readings that i wish they knew um <clears throat> then i think if you if you it goes back, wow, and it goes back to uh, pre-civilization. The first art form was sitting, was sitting around the campfires telling stories. So, you know, you've got a good storyteller and you've got a captive audience. Mm -hmm. And um, when, that, when that is the only form of entertainment at that, you know, in the early days of civilization, you're just listening to one person or a couple of people tell stories, then you better be good 
um, because <laughs> you know you can just go to bed and uh, and 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 leave the you know leave the leave the campfire and the storyteller to themselves. So <clears throat> I think with any storytelling, whatever form it comes in, whether it's audio books um, or theater or film or whatever, if you've got a good story and your storyteller or tellers are uh, believe in what they're doing, are imaginative in their interpretation, um, then anybody who is an audience, a listener or a reader or um, one sitting in the theater, they are connected to a real live person. The voice is a technical thing. You can have a pleasing voice. That's you know that's with all the resonance and 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 someone who you know is pleasant to listen to. But um, what really keeps you engaged is the storyteller or teller's connection to what they're telling you. And if they are connected to that story, then I, as an audience member or listener, will you know, be right there on the edge of my seat, paying attention. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in, if, if, if the teller is not engaged with the story, then your listener and your audience member will not be either. Okay. So it behooves the teller to know his or her stuff and mm. bring it. Mm. I love it. I love it. It was pretty amusing, Chip, listening to you, because I don't think I realized you had read Boundaries, and I was re-listening <laughs> to it, the audiobook a few months ago, and I'm in the car driving, and then you call me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Chip, I'm listening to you right now. Wow. And you're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, oh, it's one of your books. <laughs> You're having an out-of-the-body experience. I know, I know. <laughs> I love it. Do you have any favorite audiobooks that you enjoy or any other audiobook writers? Um, <clears throat> audiobook, I guess, readers, yeah, I should readers. say, profession. Um, you know what? To be honest, I don't listen to audiobooks. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. sorry, but, you know, I don't, um, I just don't. I would rather sit... Or, or lie in bed or on the sofa mm -hmm. with my book propped up and reading and hearing mm. what I would, what, hearing my own voice interpret all the other characters and mm -hmm. say the words that they say, um, you know, who all the characters are. So yeah, I prefer that over listening to someone. Sure. It's all right. Do you prepare your voice for audiobooks in a similar way to what you do on stage? Yes, I do. Um, <clears throat> staying healthy is a big deal uh, because you're, you know, your whole, uh, for an audiobook, uh, and it, well, more for the audiobook because it's all right here. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're breathing from your um, breath support, your diaphragm, all the way to your articulators. And I'll read. Um, <clears throat> every day that I'm working either in the for a play rehearsals or performances or an audiobook I will read Shakespeare aloud you know at least for 15 20 minutes just to get everything warmed up <clears throat> I even for this 
podcast. I'm reading Antony and Cleopatra. So I'm, I'm read it for about 20 minutes this morning just to get the articulators going. And um, <clears throat> that's, that's um, a big, you know, that's a big part of my process. Now, when I'm on the stage, then it's the whole full body head to toe getting warmed up and, and loosened up and all of that. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, there's, there's the technical preparation for um, that I go through and put myself through. And after 50, I've been doing this for 50 years. Um, yeah. So I have, and nothing's changed. Uh, actually, I spend a little more time because I've gotten older. Doggone it. Uh, I got more, you know, I got more to stretch out because it's getting tight. <laughs> You're doing just fine. You're doing just yeah. fine. And by the way, listeners, Chip is one of the uh, most fit. Um, sorry, Chip, I'm going to throw your age out only for context. <laughs> I'm just going to say he's post 70, not that far into it. He's just, but the point is Chip could hike all of us to the floor because I mean, I went six miles with you, Chip, and I was exhausted. And you were like, you could have gone five to 10 more easily. And uh, through some pretty hilly terrain when we hiked too. But uh, but yeah, what's so what's the farthest you've hiked in one day? 20 and a half miles in New Zealand with my son-in-law. Last year. Just just in January. Just in, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. And then I went home and died. Okay. <laughs> you're you're got here. You got you, the tub. You got to hike in Middle Earth, and then you came back yes. to reality. That's basically what 2020 Earth. is summed up for you. There uh, you go. Yeah, from Middle Earth to COVID seclusion. So mm, it's yeah. just it's just no good. Yeah, it ain't right. <clears throat> well, I know we're all eager. You're eager. We're all eager to get you back on stage too. So yeah, soon enough. I haven't, let's say the last play I did was um, uh, Bright Star for Lipscomb University in November of 2019. So, mm. and then right before that, I did Urine Town with uh, Nashville Rep. Mm. And um, so, you know, mm. back to back shows with them. And, uh, and that was, mm. that's been it. It's a bummer. No. Soon enough, you got to come back, about to happen. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. Right. Um, 2021. Well, Chip, we are, we are grateful for you. I, we do want to get into kind of asking you what you're reading right now, but just to kind of go back to uh, a voice within the flame. So where can people yeah. get, the, get the book right now? You can anywhere, anywhere books are sold. You can go to, um, um, uh, if you go to my website, henryoarnold.com, it'll flash up on the homepage, all the little icons where you can click and, and purchase your you know, audio book, ebook, and then regular print book. Um, but you know, your local bookstores, um, um, you can, you know, go there and pick a copy up <clears throat> wherever you might be or live. And, um, uh, so yeah, it's all of those, uh, all those places, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, the publisher, Whitefire, who I'm very much uh, grateful, who I'm very grateful to for being uh, willing to take a chance on the genre uh, and an unknown, you know, basically an unknown person. And um, I will be forever grateful to, <laughs> to Whitefire and uh, David and Rosanna White 
as well as your uh, boss, Brian mm-hmm. Mitchell, and mm-hmm. you uh, and, and working title for um, saying, sticking with me when <clears throat> Brian's inbox was full of rejections uh, prior <laughs> to white fire saying yes. So yeah. I, I, I can't, you know, an author might sit by himself and write or herself and write mm-hmm. alone, but it is a team of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the manuscript is turned in, it is a mm-hmm. team of mm-hmm. people that that makes a book, um, uh, you know, have any chance of a life um, outside of a um, author's imagination. And I have a you know a team of people that I am indebted to, mm-hmm. and um, that I am so grateful for. So, yeah. Well, well we love you, Chip. We're glad you you've gone through it all too. So, yeah. um, it just hit me. Uh, why didn't we ask John Maxwell to read your book? <laughs> I mean, that would be fitting. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. There, yeah. Go back to Scarlet. There's comedy. Yeah. There's comedy. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right, Chip. We do a fun thing. We uh, we we kind of ask each other, what are we reading right now? So uh, that's the question hey. to you. What, what do you got right now? Well, I've got uh, Tony Morrison, Eugene Peterson, uh, mm-hmm. Tim Keller, and. Um, <clears throat> The Brothers Karamazov that can only be read in very small doses. I love Dostoevsky, um, but uh, it's that that book especially is small doses. And then I read uh, my The New Yorker magazine. I from cover to cover. So love it. Nice. That's my uh, that's my what's happening right now. I love it. There's nothing light there at all. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> So funny. No, there's no comedy in the Brothers Karamazov. I guarantee you. <laughs> I, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Scarlett, what about you? What are you reading? Nothing new. I finished Nothing? those two books from last week. Um, the Body Keeps the Score, which was very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And Cassie David's new book. That's Larry David's daughter, um, Chip, oh. the, the co-creator of Seinfeld. His daughter just wrote a book. So I was very eager to see what that was like. I will say there is lots of inappropriate content in it. <laughs> I will say she's she's got the same sense of humor as her dad. Mm-hmm. And I will say I told Brand I told my husband Brandon I said this book is my book if I were not a believer because she's so <laughs> anxious and she my book's afraid of all the things chip and it's about anxiety and gospel. And it was just like her describing her panic and anxiety was just I was like Brandon, I think I want to send her my book. <laughs> like yeah. I wrote the, I wrote the Christian version. This is definitely a non-Christian version, but anyway, mm. um, just finished those. Haven't started. Well, actually I have, I downloaded some book about sleep because it was on my library app mm. and it looked interesting and I'm not liking it. So never mind that. Mm. Anyway, that's all. <laughs> wow. Too amusing. Well, Aaron, I know you've been really busy, so if you haven't been reading, I get it, but yeah. Well, I mean, I have been continuing to listen to um, A Promised Land uh, by Barack Obama, and that's mm-hmm. interesting um, to to listen to for sure. Um, I, I, there's a fair, be, fair bit more profanity than I expected, um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, um, but aside from that, I'm, you know, continue to plug away at, uh, you know, at, uh, various Longmire books. Um, I actually just, uh, just bought the, the most recent one, the next to last stand, um, 
over at Parnassus. I had a gift certificate yeah. that was burning a hole in my yeah. pocket. <laughs> so before I got here, I uh, I popped great. in there for 20 minutes. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, and then... Right? You can only be in there for 20 minutes, right? Yep. Yep, yeah. that's right. Um, so went in there, and then aside from that, I'm just reading um, Genesis a lot and reading um, specifically the first couple of chapters of it and reading commentaries on the first couple chapters of Genesis a lot for, um, from, for some work projects. Love it. Is your, is, um, is your boss treating you well right now? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon, my husband is his boss chip. <laughs> recently, it's recent, it's recent development. Is, is is he pacing outside still right now, Scarlett? We need a, an up to date. Kind of uh, rainy. It's kind of rainy okay. today. Okay. Does he I pace think. in the rain? No, I don't, okay. maybe. I, I think he's in a chair. All right. I love it. I love it. Well, I already shared. I'm st- almost done with Ready Player Two. So nice. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's grown on me. I did not like it at first, but it's a very different book than the first. So well, I'll leave if it, at it was that. the same book, it, you'd be disappointed. Well, there's a lot that is the same because they clearly have to go on some sort of journey to save whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I don't want to ruin it, but um, it raises very big ethical questions. And I think that's its strength. It's also its weakness where some people will be very annoyed by that. But when the in the world of AI to come and um, wanting to escape to another world digitally, it raises good questions so Mm -hmm. there you go Mm -hmm. totally entertaining there you go well good they they do get they i will say this they do get lost in they have to they have to go through john hughes land uh all of john hughes's movies in sherman illinois they interact with every character you can imagine and i don't know how they would pull that off in a movie but it was very amusing that's the best part of the book by nice Yeah. Nice. I like it. Well, maybe I'll check that out at some point. Um, no. You know, when I'm all done, all the other things I'm doing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, um, guys, this was fun. Chip, thank you for joining us uh, today. This it was yes. really great to to uh, to hear hear from you today. This was this was really good. This was really yes. good. So. Thanks, Chip. Yeah. And uh, listeners, uh, you know you know what to do. Five star ratings, reviews all around, and we will talk to you later. Bye. This is an area code podcast.